0: I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com.
1: You are listening to PopExcast, Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture.
0: Captain's log supplemental. Hope's cast.
1: Oh. Hasta
0: la vista, baby.
2: Hey guys, welcome to Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. I'm Austin Burke, your Appalachian geek at heart, and we would like to welcome everyone joining us live in the PopX.live chat room. Come hang out with us and join the conversation at PopXCast.com. If this is your first time tuning into PopX, the first 20 minutes or so, we run down the headlines since our last show and then dive into the show topic at the halfway point. Stick around because geeky goodness is coming your way. First off, I am joined by... The host that knows the most, that is Joseph Burke. Joe, what's going on? Here?
1: Oh, bro, I don't know about that. Those are some really big sneakers, <laughs> oh, on, sneakers to, to to fit in. Penny loafers to fit into. Uh, you like oh, penny? <laughs> hi. Yeah. We're dialing it back to 1965, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but, no socks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So I'm your host, Joseph Burke, Central Florida's seasoned comic book nerd and retro enthusiast. Now, be sure to head on over to Google Play or iTunes after the show and click on that subscribe button. Catch up on some amazing content and shows from the PopEx archive. And while you're there, we'd certainly appreciate it if you're showing us some love by leaving us a five star rating and review.
3: That's right. And I'm Lindsay Badger, your favorite geeky Oki. And if you missed, episode 97 where we broke down all the toy business and toy story (laughs) review and more. Make sure you go back over to our official website at popxcast.com for this and all the other great past shows from the Pop X's collective archive of all the geeky goodness.
1: Indeed. And you know what? Uh, Before we dive into the news this week, ladies and gents, we have a really cool thing. We have our brother from another mother in Atlanta. He is back. We haven't talked to Mike since April of 2019 it has been far too long mike is back in the top corner there he is going to be re- oh <laughs> hi mike it's good to see you Mike.
3: we missed you mike. Mike is show,
1: number one so this is so cool uh but uh, you guys have a good weekend you have a how's how did your fourth of july go everybody
3: it was spectacular
1: yeah burgers dogs and all the good stuff fixing trimmings and, and all that. All it's, the
3: tradition just crammed into 24 hours. It was fantastic. What? Swimming, dogs, Swimming, fireworks. Swimming,
2: dogs, fireworks. Yeah. Burgers, bros. You awesome. know what was special about yeah. this, this year's July 4th? What it was Stranger fun. Things, dude. Oh yes! no.
3: Oh. We are going to break down all of that after Joe finishes watching it well, so that we can geek out with him too.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, but we are actually going to do a Stranger Things episode. That's going to be part of our episode 99 in a couple of weeks. So yes! we're going to be doing we're going to be doing a 2 for 1 on episode 99 where we're going to be talking about Stranger Things Season 3 and The Lion King. So we're really happy about that. So, uh, but yeah, this is really cool. Um, You know, we had, uh, for the Fourth of July, we had some burgers and dogs. I had a couple friends over from church, and we had some apple pie. Ooh. You can't you can't have the Americana without a little bit of apple. But
3: time. I have to ask you one question, Joe. Did you leave a slice out for Captain America?
1: I did leave a slice out for Captain America and a little spoon of vanilla ice cream just for oh, him. Oh, I'm yeah. sure
3: he appreciates oh, yes. it. Yes,
1: Captain America got his and you know what? He left me a note and he said, yeah, True believer. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> all right, so guys, with all that said and done, we're gonna go ahead and roll into the headlines this week. Don't go nowhere, headlines coming your way on Popex Cast. <laughs> Extra, extra, read all about it. This is PopX News. Coming to you live right here on PopXCast.com. Oh man, Mike is killing me with the gifts tonight. This is hilarious. (laughs) He is
3: is the meme master.
1: (laughs) We're off to a fantastic start. You know what, I'm going to lead this one off this week. So with the next few months, once Avengers Endgame finally leaves theaters... And hit store shelves, Marvel fans will finally be able to own the complete infinity saga of the MCU to watch any time that they want. Now, the only major issue is that one of the, many of those movies, most notably phase one films, wherever were released in 4K on Blu-ray. Thankfully, that's going to change in the near future. As Marvel has big plans for its back catalog, we're going to remaster all of our films in 4K. Captain Marvel's executive producers Victoria uh, Alonzo said, and Jonathan Schwartz. Now, when asked about Marvel's plan for the other 4K releases, we're in the process of doing that, so it's all happening. So this isn't um, especially surprising development considering how popular the Marvel films have been in theaters in the past couple of years so uh, and especially coming up on the streaming services with Disney Plus launching in November so that's going to be really fun and uh, physical media as well but this is the first confirmation from Marvel Studios that the movies that we all love from Phase 1 2 and especially for 3 will be all remastered in 4K for your viewing pleasure. This will also include while Thor Dark World would follow in September, the only movies left for Disney to remaster will be the Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, and Doctor Strange. So those haven't been upscaled into 4K just yet. No release dates have been announced, but with a seemingly long wait between movies on its way following Spider-Man Far From Home, Marvel will have plenty of months to fill in with remastered classics. Anybody up on board in getting the full Infinity Marvel Cinematic Universe saga? Anybody? Anybody? you know don't everybody answer at one time
2: i want to but here's the problem when i get disney plus i'm gonna have access to all these movies anyway and i want to see them okay maybe like a winter soldier and infinity war like the movies that i love the most right but all of these it's like disney plus man you can't beat that prize. can't
1: do it man The,
3: the the digital copies are enticing physical is really out of style
1: yeah. Is there was there a first image on oh. that, Mike? Uh, was, was there like the cover on that? I, I didn't get to see the cover, but I, I just I, I'm really excited. Look sure. at that.
3: Mm. That is so pretty. It's glorious.
1: I want it. Where's my credit I w- card? I want it now. Take it. Take my money, you.
3: I want all of it. Yeah. These. So
1: I will definitely be pre ordering this bad boy. Pretty excited for it. Probably one of my favorite Marvel movies ever made. And a uh, huge elf effort uh, across the board, and I'm excited for it. I really am, and I'm excited to see some of those old Phase 1 classics in 4K, like Iron Man and yeah, the original Thor. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of those, man, you got to think, uh, some of those pretty cool, yeah. dude. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, uh, I want to see um, Ragnarok with all of its brightness. Ragnarok! Because it's Ragnarok. so artistically beautiful with yeah, all Taika of it. Yeah, Taika Waititi, man. The...
1: That's amazing. Yeah, Absolutely.
3: All the planets have their own unique color spectrum of gloriousness you know, it, that I just need it, to see. It, it's
1: interesting. In when asked, When asked, you know, uh, what was my favorite Marvel movie of all time, there's obviously it's going to be Endgame. Duh. Duh. But you're not going to know. You didn't hear this from me, but Thor Ragnarok is definitely my number two.
3: Actually, you know, Doctor Strange would be really cool, too, because it's got all those psychedelic scenes where all the world that gets is ripped actually, apart and twisted.
1: That is actually Alex's favorite is dr strange i'm a huge strange fan but yeah for 4, 4K, so madison madison that. likes dr strange too Dude,
2: that's her number one favorite standalone marvel movie that's though. awesome
3: yes
1: that's my girls. so legit bro
3: my girls
1: well you know it's, it's really cool though you know marvel's going to be doing us some service we're going to be getting some really great content even though that there's not going to be anything on the docs for about a year from marvel studios after spider-man far from home it's just going to be a nice filler especially for the holiday season as we approach that we're going to be able to get our hands on some pretty epic movies that are been fully remastered in 4k so i'll probably will be dropping some money on these
2: yeah they have a lot of time to kill they do they (laughs) have a lot of time
1: so um i do want to say this too while we're on the topic of marvel before austin goes into the next one um i don't know if you guys knew did you hear the announcement about san diego comic-con about uh, marvel entering into that so they yeah. were not scheduled to be there this year. They were not scheduled to be there. And Kevin Feige, literally last minute, li- we're talking just a couple of weeks before this event, reserved Hall H with special no. guests that's not been announced. Oh, and they're supposed to be introducing some pretty big stuff.
3: What in the world would San Diego Comic Con be without Marvel there? Correct.
2: Correct.
1: You are correct.
3: Mike. Well, here's
2: the thing, too, is all of these other studios have been dropping out. So when Feige saw that, see, I think originally they were going to do their own big special announcement of the next slate of Marvel movies. But mm-hmm. when he saw that there's this giant opening at Comic-Con, he's like, we're going to do it there. So he just dropped the mic and said, boom, well, that, we're going to announce you, every single movie. at Comic Con." Yeah, you know,
3: that would be kind of like Sony not being at, you know, E3.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't be. Oh, I see what you
0: did there. That's,
3: <laughs> that's true. It was not very eventful. It's true. Moving
2: on. It's true. (laughs) All right, also, go go for it. It's true. Okay, so we move on to a completely different topic, but a sad one. So once a cultural touchstone, Mad Mm. Magazine is halting the publication of new content and vanishing from the newsstands. So the humor publication will no longer be available on newsstands after its August issue. After that... Issues will be available only via comic book stores and subscriptions after number 10 of its current volume will reprint earlier material wow. with new covers. However, the magazine will continue to publish its end-of-year special books and special collections. The revered satirical publication was founded in 1952 as a comic book. Then in 1955, it switched to a magazine format. Former Mad Editor Ali Gortz? who resigned last month, lamented that there will no longer be new content after issue number 10. MAD is an institution with such a rich history, Gortz tweeted. It informed just about every comedian and writer I, and probably you, look up to. I mean, this thing had books and shows, and I mean, literally, you can well, go and... MAD and TV it,
1: birthed Jam Carrey TV, as we know man. it. I
2: mean, it, it really... Was it, was
1: it MAD TV? No, I was in Living Color. Never mind.
2: It was iconic, though, for what it kind of spawned, and so many comedians got their um, content from what Matt did, the satirical comedy. So, guys, what do you think about this kind of shutting down?
3: I am in shock right now. I mean, I know that print is dying, and its it shows its, its toll. Ele- the electronic switchover has shown its toll on the printing industry in general. So it's not surprising news, but the fact that they're – limiting it so much and they're not keeping it as a digital continuation i'm kind of sad about that well i think
1: i think they need to take a page from marvel and disney dc and what they're doing when you buy the actual product or something like that there's a digital code that you can redeem i think that if they went to a digital format they can still be able to produce content and you know there's options there to where they can withdraw the cost of actually printing and invest more money into multimedia features that will allow them to maybe download a mad app and subscribe to feed and content there. Uh, There's a lot of options that I think that, I think what we're looking at here though, we're looking at a company that has a lot of old school values and they're not embracing a lot of the new stream media potential. And so I think when you have that, there's you're going to have what halves here is that mad magazine is actually pulling from the newsstands. It's very unfortunate. Cause yes. I remember I have many copies of mad magazine in my repertoire. One of my favorite covers actually is from 1989 when mad TV, not mad TV, but when mad magazine spoofed uh, Batman, which was Michael Keaton's Batman. And yes. he's on the front cover of that. I actually do own a copy of that. And uh, I got to, I got to echo what Luke says here in the chat. Spy versus spy was one of my favorite so, strips.
3: Yes. Yes, that, yeah. that, that that was the really good. There's so many good, memorable skits that I remember just yep. growing up loving. Good, and it's good um, funny,
1: funny humor and very yeah. satirical.
3: You know, very, yeah. very. Um, it's just I've kind of lost touch with it, the industry that product, but I just know that it's good quality stuff, mm. and it always has been. I, I'll tell you so. what, though.
2: Cartoon Network did a I think it was two or three season run of Mad Come to Life in animated form, and oh. something like Spy vs. Spy. It was very funny and very interesting. I remember that. It got canceled that. after a while because kids just weren't picking up on it, but it was really good, and it showcased a lot of their stuff, so go back and check that out if you get a chance. I think it's I remember really that fun. for
1: a while. It was yeah, on Nickelodeon, it, wasn't it? Or was
2: a, I, I think it was Cartoon Network, but Cartoon they Network. canceled it very quick so i was surprised well
1: let's let's have a moment of silence for alfred e newman Mm. all righty as we move on lindsey badger
3: so sad well guys on wednesday robert kirkman called it a wrap for the walking dead comic series the 15-year saga telling what was labeled as the never-ending zombie story was abruptly finished with a shocking finale Wow. On the heels of killing its lead character, Rick Grimes, only one triple sized issue would come along to show fans the long time and longtime readers how the remaining characters would end up. In the back of the Walking Dead issue 193, Kirkman replaced the typical letter hacks section with one long message for his readers. Knowing there will be questions and emotions, the series creator addressed his decision to conclude the book and acknowledge those who helped it become a multi-billion dollar global phenomenon that it has. Mm. Well, what do you guys, I mean, there's, there's well, this is huge.
1: It is, it is huge, and, and, and I think Austin will probably echo, and a lot of you guys will probably echo when I get ready to say this, on the heels of the zombie genre, uh there there is some steam that is lacking in that area mm-hmm. as of late i mean uh, sup- with superhero fir- films on the rise and 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 uh, yeah. i mean come on we're we're in a we're in a time where the Walking Dead television show I think if I'm not mistaken maybe the, the last season had some of the lowest ratings it's had in a long time. Yeah. Um, there's a decline in, in in the interest because we're all at right, Fifteen years that's a long yeah. time. So we're on yeah. season nine and a half or ten of Walking Dead right now, yeah. and so come on I mean it's just like uh, it's ten years of cinematic versus fifteen years of comic book that's a long time I mean, for a zombie if look, genre. If,
3: if you look over, you know, just pop culture in general and how the trends go mm-hmm. before zo- but, uh, zombies was huge and it has been huge for a long time. Before that, it was a vampires vampire, right. everything, right. Buffy, the vampire slayer to sparkling vampires. I mean, everything in between, oh. Now we're getting out. Now, now they've shifted to the zombie thing for the longest time. Now we're phasing out of that, and we're we've still has this really, really strong feed, like Joe was saying, of the superhero. But eventually that's going to kind of fade out too, because people are going to get kind of tired of it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, and, I think
1: that's why AMC went with the whole idea let's pull um, Abra- A- Andrew Lincoln out of it. And I started to say Abraham Lincoln. Did you see what I did there? Yeah. Let's pull Andrew Lincoln out of it and give him three movies. Where he's not even now part of the well, show. You know, it's just strange moves.
3: Even even thinking before Vampires, I think they were really into like the sci-fi space stuff. I mean, it's always been there, but you know, there's like the ups and downs and waves yeah. of the different genres that poke their head up a little bit higher than the others.
1: Well, all hell so. superheroes is what I say.
3: Yes, <laughs> we're, we're going to ride that superhero wave as long as it'll let us, right? But we it, is, it is
1: sad, though. I mean, Robert Kirkman literally has by one book that was printed i think less than five thousand copies around the world if you own walking dead issue number one first print you're holding in your hand about a fifteen thousand dollar comic book um so if you think about the limited run because he he printed so few he didn't know how good it would gonna, was going to was going to be and so gradually as he was getting into like issue number eight number nine he started printing more and more copies of each as there was more demand He's created an empire for himself. Not only has he become a very skillful writer and artist and, and, and a director, he's even on set of many of the shows in AMC yeah. that they film in Sonoya, wow. Georgia. I, I can understand and appreciate 15 years is a long haul. It's time to maybe sit back, refocus, regroup, and maybe, maybe invent something fresh. And I understand mm. as a creator, someone who creates and is a creative, I can understand that it's very. I'm surprised he went to at it as long as he did because it's easy to burn out when you're doing something that long. And I respect his decision for bringing it to a close. I think finally we have closure on the saga. And uh, you know, uh, 193. That's just a weird number to leave it on. I, yeah. I'm just going you to know. Can we go to 200 and call it? No, let's just end it at 193. Okay, all right. It's
2: it's crazy, too, how fast the show lost steam, too, because it was Game of Thrones-level popular, and then it felt like, after a while, it just declined so rapidly, and Mm -hmm. people were just so... I think they're sick of the genre less than the show, right? The show dipped in quality, yes, but I heard the last season, while it had the lowest ratings one of the better more recent seasons but people aren't giving it a chance because they're sick of zombies it's they're, a, they're
1: turned out man
2: it's a tidal wave of moving on to the next big thing correct. I think we're that's why superhero movies are so popular right
1: correct now. correct all right moving on here we got two more new segments and we're going to get into this week's episode where we talking about Spider-Man Far From Home uh, so let's move on in here DC Comics uh, announced that the company will rebrand in 2020 no kidding uh, yeah. Bringing all of its publishing content together to be organized and marketed under the DC brand. Now, this movie means at the end of the beloved Vertigo publishing imprint. Oh, Vertigo! That's their uh, that's their indie brand. Uh, yeah. So this this is they're actually shaking a lot of things up here. Uh, as well as the recently launched DC Inc. and DC Creating, three age-specific labels, DC Kids, DC, and DC Black Label. Now, that would absorb all of its existing imprints and focus on DC's publishing content around the characters and stories that evolve and mature along with the awareness and sensibilities of DC's readers. As a result of the new labeling strategy, DC will sunset the Vertigo publishing imprint at the end of of the year bringing it to a closure so uh what we're seeing here is we're actually seeing some uh, dc is probably feeling the repercussions of marvel right now they're feeling it in not only in print but on screen and so they're having to not only do a full in-house rebrand and refocus uh, uh, i don't know is that a good thing or a bad thing austin what do you think about that
2: but all my mind keeps going back to right now is what they're doing on their streaming platform. And I know we're getting ready to talk about a story uh, on Titans, but you know, they're canceling swamp thing. Mm. Uh, There's rumors that they're canceling doom patrol, which would break my heart. Yes. Uh, But here's what I heard. So, and I'm talking strictly television, but I heard they're wanting to go the more CW route with their television shows as in Mm. less dark, less adult and more, Romantic, kind of fun. Stop. Stop. Yeah. What? That's that's why they're looking at canceling those two shows and keeping Titans going because Titans kind of falls more in that category. It's like they don't know what they're doing, and I think this is why they're going through this rebrand is because they want to change things up and make things more modern because they're trying to keep up with what Marvel's doing in the movie universe right now. And to me, it just feels like they need new leadership. They need someone. They need a Kevin Feige, their version of a Kevin Feige, to step in and say stop what you're doing now they didn't just sign that deal with bad robot jj abrams is now a huge part of warner brothers so mm-hmm. what if jj your guy that steps in and says hey here's what you need to do with dc here's the route we go i want to see that because they need and i'm just talking about the movie not even the comics which they're majorly rebranding as well so dc they're just they're trying to find their path right now they have a good basis on wonder woman and aquaman and shazam they yeah. just need to put it
1: together. Big time. And I agree with you, and uh, you know, cinematically, we've seen some flops from Warner Brothers, and it's not the first time that Warner Brothers productions in DC has has has. Let me just say, Batman Forever. Can we just stop there and talk about one of the <laughs> worst superhero films ever made? Um, but even in that, it's almost like they're 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 totally ignoring the source material and trying to make something that looks fun but isn't paying homage to the source material. So, I don't know. And, I, you know, I'm watching this show. This is a really good time to bring this up. There's a, If you have Amazon Prime... There is a really fantastic documentary about this very topic that we're talking about. It's called The Rise of Superheroes. It's a two-hour documentary. It's really great, and it talk. It goes back and it tells you about the old serials that they used to do in the movie theaters back in the 30s and 40s and how you would pay like an extra 18 cents and you get to watch uh, Shazam or, or Batman or, or Superman in the old 40s and 30s, uh, black and white. And uh, so you, you you it brings it back to that point, but it also talks about some of the flops and follies that DC and Warner Brothers has had. So we, they, they hit it up really strong with um, the Donner's version of Superman. They hit it up really good with Tim Burton's version of Batman. But when Sho, Schumacher came in, he literally destroyed the entire franchise as we know it. Yeah. And so you think about, you know, some of that. I think rebranding is kind of like what Marvel had done a few years back. If you remember about 15 years ago, Marvel had filed bankruptcy. Uh, this is long before this, the X-Men was even out. Well, this may be even before X-Men. Yeah, this was early 90s. So we're talking 94, 95, Marvel filed bankruptcy. And that's when they sold all their subsidiaries. Marvel sold the rights to Fox of Fantastic Four and X-Men. They sold the rights of Spider-Man to Sony, etc., cetera, et cetera, So they can try to... Marvel then was focusing not only on their comic books, but they were trying to refocus on the branding of the cinematic. It worked for Marvel. Will it work for DC. That's the question. <clears throat> Sorry, that was a long rant. Dang. No, that was a good rant. That, <laughs> that,
2: was, that was inspirational. i yeah. like, reach.
1: <laughs> well, reach. you know, I'm thinking about it, you know, logistically. And I, my heart, I, uh, my first superhero is always going to be Superman. Yeah. Because, you know, when I was a child, I watched Christopher oh, Reeve don the tights and became the man you would believe that a man could fly. That was the tagline at the bottom of the movie mm-hmm. poster. And it's just an epic film. All together. And then you get into the, like some of the other ones that they did, and you're just like, what? What yeah. are you doing here? It's just like hey, people at Warner Brothers, it's like left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And what we need is a Kevin Feige esque individual behind Warner Brothers Media that is paying homage to the source material and doing these films right. And we wouldn't have a fourth director trying to come in on The Flash right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this movie is failed from the start. I, it's failed before it even hits the film reel.
3: So and I. I- I feel your passion. I completely agree with you. I mean, I I started, you know, learning and completely knowing nothing about superheroes, really, until Christopher Reeve took on Superman, until uh, Keaton took on Batman. Those two are in the same umbrella of greatness that, you know, in our brains and our memories in our childhood, we hold DC up on a pedestal because of that very reason. Right, right. And whenever they are missing it. Every try they do, everything falls short, falls short, falls short. Let me stop you right there, not, Lindsay.
1: Justice yeah. League.
3: Justice League. Li- yeah. mm, I mean, Aquaman That was, was good. rough,
1: dude. That was yeah, a rough one. Wonder Wondermelon. Wondermelon, Wonder Melon. melon.
3: Wondermelon <laughs> <raised laughs> into- <laughs> Wonder
1: is a delicious in the summertime.
3: Little, little, fun, little fun getting <laughs> to me today. Wonder <laughs> Woman was fantastic, and I look forward to see what they're doing with the next one. But... Aside from that, mm. where is the consistency? There isn't one. We're needing a consistency. They're this just throwing out seeing.
1: they're just throwing out content to see them what sticks. Yeah,
3: they're just, just slapping that stick. Nobody up on asked the wall nobody asked
1: for a suicide squad 2. <laughs>
3: no. Nobody asked for the first one, to be honest. True. Well, actually <laughs> decided, the first hey, one they
1: could have actually done it really well. But they gave us a turd.
3: So if if if
2: it would have done well, it would have made all that money, and DC would be like partying right now, right? And here's another thing that I just want to throw in. So the director of Mission Impossible Fallout recently came on Twitter. You know, the fantastic movie, one of the best ones of last year. I love Fallout. Came on Twitter, dude. It's so good. Chris McQuarrie. And he said, I went to Warner Brothers, and I pitched two ideas. One was a sequel to Man of Steel. One was a Green Lantern movie. And my ideas, he said, I feel stronger about that than I do any of the Mission Impossible movies that I've directed. Wow. And he's only directed Greatness. And he said they shut him down immediately. What? Because God. it was too far out of their wheelhouse what? and two comic books.
1: Wait, did, did, didn't did. you tweet that?
2: Wait. it. I, no,
1: you tweeted You retweeted it, didn't you?
2: I, I did. Well, well, here's all it was. He wasn't even, like, tweeting. He was just responding to a fan who asked him, would you ever direct a superhero movie? And he's like,
1: actually I, I they did.
2: Shut me down. Wow. They shut me down. That's DC for you. There you go.
3: That is, it's too comic booky is the dumbest <laughs> thing I have ever heard. Hello. What era are we in where we're all about the comic bookie?
1: Marvel and Kevin Feige has stayed so something. true to the source material. It's ridiculous. You pick up, you pick up a comic book and you read about infinity war. Then you pick up a, uh, watch the movie. With the exclusion of some key players like Adam Warlock and the X-Men, it's pretty freaking spot on.
3: hmm
1: Yeah. All right, moving on here. We spent a little too much time on that one. All
3: right.
2: Let's
1: All right, Austin about- Burke, round it out for us.
2: Well, I just mentioned we were going to talk about Titans, so after including Batman in a halluc- in a hallucination sequence in the Season 1 finale, but only his back, it looks like Titans finally will bring the real Bruce Wayne to the DC Universe ahead of the show's second season. A familiar face to TV fans has been cast as the Cape Crusader. Fresh off the series finale of Game of Thrones, Ian Glynn has been added to the Titans roster to portray Batman going forward. Wow. Glenn as, Cole, as Jorah Mormont... In Game of Thrones, as expected, given Glenn's slightly overage, this will be a much more experienced version of Bruce Wayne than we've seen in the past. The official character description is as follows. After decades of fighting crime as Batman, billionaire Bruce Wayne is just as driven to protect Gotham from evil as he was in in his prime, needing to reconcile his relationship with Dick Grayson. The duo hopes to forge a new dynamic as Bruce tries to help his former sidekick and the Titans achieve Success. I don't know about you guys, but I love this guy, and this could be cool.
1: This guy is one serious actor.
3: Oh my gosh, they are so lucky to land this guy. I'm
1: telling you, dude. I hope
3: that the writing is worth his Meet value you. as an actor.
1: <laughs> okay. I have
3: always am hesitant, because I'm like, you know, an act, you could have the best actor on the planet, and if you write it horribly, it's still going to suck. Wow.
1: That's going to be huge because I think you, this is something that the fans have been asking for for a long time. An older, aged Batman. Yes. And yeah. I think the, I mean, we got a little hint of that in Kristen, Christopher Nolan's uh, chapter three of the Batman saga. Mm-hmm. We got a little hint of that coming out of retirement and doing his thing. But this, this is going to be literally like right out of the books of Frank Miller. This is going to be awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bring it. That's what I'm man, Dude, like and you know what? what? What sucks is I've not watched the first episode of, of Titans, so I need to get on board. How many? How many uh, episodes is in one season? Is it I like eight it was, or ten?
2: I think it was like thirteen to fifteen. Here's my thing about Titans. I, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Looking back on it and comparing it to Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing, not as good as I liked it when I first saw it. But I, I do have a lot of faith in this season because I think they're going more in the dark direction, mm. which. This guy on the... Yeah, that's yeah. the direction you got. That's, to go.
1: that's a good direction to go. Dang.
2: yeah,
1: What, a, great, what a good cast. Yeah, that's going to be a great Well, one. you know, uh, yeah. with all that said, we're at the official halfway point of the show. And, and, man, we can just keep going on about some of this great news. And uh, yeah. hats off to Mr. Mike Ippolito over in the bottom window for giving us some phenomenal news this week. Mm. Uh, man, that's-, that's some good stuff. But uh, we're going to transition over into the main segment of the show where we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. This is going to be pretty awesome. And uh, we're going to go ahead and roll that uh, spoiler alert warning. So if you have not seen Spider-Man Far From Home, well, beyond this point, you have been warned. Danger.
2: You are about to enter a Pop-Pop spoiler alert. Beyond this point, there is... No return. You have been
1: warned. There you go, ladies and gents, you have been warned. So, coming off the heels of Avengers Endgame just a couple of months ago, and back in April, this is the first Marvel Cinematic Film to actually showcase all of the world as we know it after the quote-unquote blip. And so this is going to be a phenomenal, uh, I think it's, we're going to be really rabbit hole and crazy on this particular discussion. Because there's just yes. so, you can't discuss the first 15 minutes of this film without even talking about an Easter egg. Yeah. The whole film is a freaking Easter Easter egg. It, it
3: is. <laughs> it truly is.
1: And so what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be breaking it down and we're going to be saving the meat and potatoes. And when we say the meat and potatoes, we're talking about the 2 end in-scene credits that everybody's oh. buzzing about. We're going to be saving that for the last ten minutes of the show, and we are going to be unpacking that. So you need to stay tuned. Crank up your headphones. Go grab some hot cocoa. I, it's summertime. If you still even do that, I don't even know. Go grab
3: you a slice go, of watermelon.
1: G- go grab you something. A wondermelon. Go grab some wondermelon.
3: Yes, get some wondermelon.
1: <laughs> but so we all four have seen it and we're all all four going to share some uh some points about it as well and i'm going to open up and then um i think mike might be sharing a little bit too because mike got to see it i think if i didn't i think last night he got to see it as well so it will be good to have him back on board as well but i'm going to start this thing off and then we're going to go with myself mike austin and lindsey is that cool yep all right so um i think what when i went in here it's it's one of those films Homecoming set a bar so high yeah. in terms of, of the world of Peter Parker, the teenage quirky kid in high school. And a lot of expectation was riding on this, and we saw we saw the emotion and the impact of Tom Holland's acting in Affinity in War and Endgame. I mean, the kid is brilliant when it comes to acting, and so he's bringing something to the table of Peter Parker that a lot of us haven't seen. We're so used to Andrew Garfield or Toby Tobey Maguire that we've not seen this level of freshness in the cinematic universe and I think with Marvel uh, casting Tom Holland was a great thing so far from home uh, so we get we get Peter Parker and his team They're talking about the blip. They're talking about everybody coming back. There's a really cool opening scene. It's it's the most horrible edited thing. It's a high school video. (laughs) They're talking about, you know, oh, and the blip happened, and they're doing "and I will always love you." And it's Whitney Houston. That was rough. Oh, it was rough. (laughs) It was hilarious. So we we open up with some of the big actors, you know, that were that that paid the ultimate sacrifice in game, like you know, Black Widow, Tony Stark, uh, Vision, et cetera, et cetera. And then it goes into, like, there's scenes of, of them in the basketball court, and they just vanish. And then five years later, they're still in the basketball court, and then they just show up, and people's running in the middle of a basketball game, and, and the band's still playing like nothing never happened. Hilarious. It was so funny. So we see the world after the blip. We see that some of Peter's friends and, and schoolmates have now progressed five years older they went from little skinny scrawny teenagers to big buff dudes and so we're seeing this 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 and we found out that MJ uh, MJ and then um, aunt May uh, we know that happy of course Tom Holland uh, Peter Parker they were all part of the blip They were all part of this uh, thing. So now they're coming back and they're seeing a high school that's radically changed. A lot's happened in five years. Some of the students have already graduated. So they're they're picking up the pieces after Homecoming and after Avengers Endgame. And so um, I think for me it was really interesting. And, And I didn't really understand the whole premise of why are they going to Europe? It's a science trip. Okay, there's nothing science about going to um, to see an opera or to see a you know a masquerade ball or whatever. So Epps is kind of sitting there trying to figure all of that out. But at the same time, we get Mysterio. And here comes this character who, at the first of the movie, there's a, so many elements in this movie that was reminding me of Iron Man 3, where you see the Mandarin, and you see Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. Mar- you know, they the, say the, that the I am. You know, you see Ben, but then you find out he is just a pawn, and that he's not the real Mandarin. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit, that Mysterio yeah. was, his, his persona was a pawn to trick everybody. But behind the scenes, he's just a dude in a 3D jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. So I really enjoyed that take. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I did. Iron Man 3 was kind of like, eh, they wasted an amazing character opportunity there. They didn't in this one. I think they yes. may have learned from their mistakes. And they actually capitalized on it. And I thought that um, Jake Hall was perfectly cast as the role of Mysterio. I thought that he embodied every part of Quentin Beck and using modern technology. In the comic books, he would just use smoke and mirrors and some... See, Quentin Beck was a magician, if you didn't know that. We should do an origin story on Quentin Beck. But he was a magician going rogue, and he used a lot of those tactics and techniques to be able to trick Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Smoke and mirrors and gas and stuff to just infiltrate his mind. Think of the Joker, but just in a Marvel version. And so, uh, he in this episode, though, in, in this particular version of Mysterio... He's using holographic projectors and modern tech that we find out was actually in Iron Man 3, which is why I talked about Iron Man 3, which was BARF. And BARF was this technological system that was advanced advance for holographic technology. So that, given all of that information, I freaking love the story. I watched it for the third time last night. And the third time I'm sitting there really dissecting and listening to dialogue and listening to things and... Picking up on a little nuance and picking up on Fury and seeing what's going on there. And I really loved it. And with that said, I'm gonna pass the mic over to my brother from another mother in Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Mike Ippolito. Mike, welcome what's back up? to PopEx Cast, bro.
0: I haven't seen Here
1: you. Here I am. Oh my God. You complete it's been me. A minute. You complete me. Okay.
0: <laughs> complete me.
1: So what do you think about Spidey um. Man?
0: Oh, I love this movie. It was just, uh, I would have to go back and see it again because it was just overwhelming the first time. Right. Um, You know, basically, I just want to kind of back up. I don't know if anybody saw the re-release of Endgame. I did not see the re-release. No. Okay, Mm -mm. well, I'm just going to kind of throw it out there. Go ahead. The bonus footage at the end of Endgame is the first minute and a half of Spider-Man. Okay. Which is kind of like, you know, you, you kind of like expect a little bit more. I mean, you got a little bit more out of it. There was a Stan Lee tribute, but... I didn't expect them to show the exact, you know, first like minute and a half to That's two minutes of the opening of Spider-Man. So that was, you know, I thought it could have been a little bit better. But anyway, we're going to talk about that. But um, I, just, the, just the opening, um, just kind of uh, something I caught at the beginning. I don't know if it's just something I was just looking at, you know, did, didn't think much of at first. When the Sony logo came up, since we know that Spider-Man is part of the Sony side. Mm-hmm. And then they actually put in the full Marvel Studios usually when they like an x-men or i think the first spider-man it was like in association with marvel i
1: didn't pick up on that you're
0: right if it's they've kind of stepped up the agreement a little bit with sony cool that was just you know that's a really good that's a
1: really good pull mike because that's something we're so used to seeing the marvel studios logo it just literally blew right over me if you go back and watch homecoming it says Marvel, it says Sony in association with Marvel yeah, Studios. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yes. I just I was wondering if they stepped up their agreement with Sony, which I hope they did, you know. Bring on Venom. These, That's what these, I say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, this, this movie, this. I mean, it was, just, yeah. it was It was a bit overwhelming. I actually got to see it in Dolby Cinema. Oh,
3: you kinda, you're lucky. Answers,
0: you know, the movie a little bit, and um yeah, I mean, it was it, Tom Holland. You just can't beat it. I mean, he's my favorite Spider Man out of all of them. Right. You know, I just hope they keep going with him. And, uh, you know, like you said, Jake Gyllenhaal, he was, I mean, he was perfectly cast. You know, and I agree. To go back and to throw back, you know, I'm just kind of going a little all over the place, but yeah. Um, where they threw back to the Doctor in Iron Man 1, where he's arguing with <laughs> Opadiah, you know, I mean, that's really yeah. you know, throwing it back, you know, to the original that first was. Iron Man. Yeah, but it was um, that was pretty cool. And I, and it, I knew Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be the, you know, the um, the villain in this. But I didn't expect the kind of visuals and uh, the kind of special effects. And I mean, it was towards about the the movie where he was going back the middle of the movie where he goes to meet uh, Nick Fury and it ends up being like an illusion. He's being attacked mm. by himself. I mean, it became like, especially in the theater in the Dolby cinema. The the sounds was circling around and it just became like almost like trippy like Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, trippy. Wow! After a while. I
1: but would say least. so with the surround sound and all the stuff he's doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I bet. I mean, they tried to mimic that in, in a two D non digital Adobe format yeah. in my cinema, yeah. but. I couldn't imagine, like, what is it, like, how many, like, 100 speakers surrounding you? Uh, I think there's like
0: 200-something. Oh, like that's that.
1: ridiculous. But, My gosh.
0: But, uh, the, the story was great. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I loved everything about it, and I walked out of it, and I'm going, yeah, this is this is right up there with Endgame.
1: You yeah, know, I just, couldn't agree uh, more, man. How did you feel about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance as Mysterio? Did you feel that was a good call? I think he did a great job. I mean, yeah. you,
0: know, he, you know, sometimes you see, like, a little dry or whatever, but, I mean, he just he was all over and he killed it and i thought it was great yeah
1: same here man I, I what was it, was there, moment, it were, was there a moment was there a moment Mikey for you that uh, just literally jumped out at you was like wow that just happened
0: um probably when they revealed that it was all an illusion mm. like when he's sitting there with uh you mm-hmm. know in the bar and then you know spider-man peter parker leaves and then he puts the glasses on and the whole thing just kind of vanishes yeah. And, it's like, and then I'm going, okay, well, I didn't expect that. Yeah. But that was I, pretty cool. That, that, of, that yeah. was awesome. And it just goes just to, to show come you. Up with, even in a script to come up with that kind of idea and to visually put that on screen was just, you know, overwhelming to, yeah. to see that. Just the concept of everything 3D and, and you know, uh, and to fool everybody i thought it was just the whole great concept of it
1: i agree and you know i think for 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 kevin feige and team to really pull from that source material they went all the way back to iron man one on this one yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. that's some yeah. crazy pull right there dude and it was insane i was like holy cow that's the dude from iron man one what yeah and it was just amazing had to find
0: out it was peter billingsley that kind of threw me for a loop too yeah
1: oh I yeah peter Billingsley. That. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it was really fantastic, and Mike, yeah, I'm glad you got to see it in Dolby. I'm, I'm a little jelly at the moment, but, you know, I will, I will get through that, um, but uh, cool, man. Uh, so we're going to hop down. Actually, let's go to Lindsay Badger next, because I want Austin oh. to, to to wrap it up. I want to hear what Lindsay, because oh, it's fresh in your head grand right now.
3: Finale. It is fresh in my head. Uh, we went to go see it last night, so um, I, okay. <laughs> Let's just say, right, I know we've said it again a Uh-oh. million times before. We're going to say it again. I love Tom Holland. <laughs> oh, God, who doesn't?
1: Great cast.
3: Tom makes a fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic Spider-Man. I know he's his gymnast abilities and just his age and his, his maturity, just overall nails this character even before you start reading the script so he's like he still is as he has he's just been a fantastic choice and his battle with trying to fill Mm. the shoes of iron man Mm. He he has like this he feels like it's necessary for him to do this even though nobody has necessarily said come out right and said okay you're in charge now he just kind of has this yeah he feeling that the baton has been passed to him before but he's not ready he even gets the glasses and he's so fearful of it that he doesn't even know how to approach it he's right. like dude all i want to do is be a kid i don't want to be a superhero i didn't ask for this i don't want any of it and he, he that's basically what this movie is is him coming to The realization that even if he doesn't want it, it's not necessarily a choice. It's kind of a duty. The
1: responsibility is on his shoulders. It's the
3: responsibility of him having these special powers, the experience that he has, and all of this powerful, like growing and coming of age, underlying message that travels from beginning to end. And you see him grow immensely.
1: Yeah. As you go
3: through this journey, and it's it's adorable watching him you know, be, f- get flustered around MJ and all this other stuff. And, and I don't know how I feel about MJ just because, and, and I think it's cool that, that she knows that he is Spider-Man now, but she was kind of like, Well, it took wise. him 30
1: years to reveal himself to MJ in the comics. So I'm just like,
3: mm. well, she was just kind of s- snotty. Well, throughout the whole movie, she's that's, a,
2: why, that's how I felt about her in the last. She movie.
3: was kind of snotty. I mean, I felt that way the last movie, and then she was snotty through the whole entire movie until like the very end, whenever she was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I know that you're Spider Man," and then, "Oh yeah, it's a, I'm allowed to like you now because I know you're Spider." Yeah. It's like how what? do you how
1: do you feel about Zendaya as cast for MJ? I
3: think that she would be okay. I just think that the writers wrote her a little too weird brash a little brash i yeah. think would be a good word to use i think now that they've kind of let the cat out of the bag per se and um can move past the awkwardness right. yeah. that the, they're going to have a better chemistry storyline wise that i think will be nice um jake we've we've got to talk about <laughs> jakey boy jake nailed it
1: yes he did nailed that it. costume I know, my gosh that costume, the costume
3: was fantastic beautiful um, now I know whenever we were first originally talking about Spider-Man and that we found out that Mysterio was going to be the bad guy and I was like okay I don't give me a quick like 30 second rundown of what Mysterio is what he's all about and so you kind of filled me in on the nerdness and then I was like uh, I think this was right after the, the trailer had come out and I was like all those monsters are fake every single one.
1: Oh, yeah. oh yeah you can figure I, that I, out I was yeah. like,
3: every single one of those that's, yeah. that's just a bunch of rubbish right. and sure enough it was all the smoke and all the mirrors. Now, the question I have is about the multiverse conversation. Mm-hmm. If Jake is fake and not from the universe or multiverse or any kind of other verse, and yet Fury is standing there, and I'm assuming it's fake Fury, is standing there We'll talk about that in him, a moment, yes. Yeah, we will. Explaining to him about the multiverse, and then the Spider-Man's like, uh super geeked out went super nerd mode about multiverses and physics and quantum blah 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 yeah now we know being the comic book nerds that we are that there is such thing as a multiverse but was Jake lying he never left earth
1: that's very true. And I think Jake being. Jake. Sorry, it,
3: Mysterio. Let's just. Well,
1: no, character. no, no, Mysterio. <laughs> Quentin Beck. Well, Quentin Beck.
3: Yes, Quentin Beck. Well,
1: here's something that, you know, it's really interesting. And you bring up a really good point. And I, I want to address the first point before I go to this one. Okay. I love your idea how you talk about Spider Man. You nailed it on the head. Spider Man coming into his own, assuming the responsibility role after Stark's death. I yes. loved your take on that. So yes. that was really good. I, I, that's something that if you don't look closely, it's very easy to overlook mm-hmm. because this movie is not just a movie about Spider-Man fighting Mysterio. It's a movie yes. about Spider-Man coming into his own as a leader and an Avenger. Yes. And that's really good. Now, with, with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, I think the question is, you've got to remember, he was an employee of Stark Industries. So he's bound, I mean, he's right up there with Hank Pym, Tony Stark. So he knows all the information, the
3: insider He
1: knows enough of the lingo to probably conjure up a really believable story. But in all actuality, um, did Thanos really open up a portal to other multiverses when he did the snap, or when Hulk did the snap, or when Tony did the snap?
3: Well, and that's five years sans snap to So
1: we don't really know what opened up. We don't really know the ramifications of that, or even if there will be a multiverse in this realm. Uh, There's a
3: whole lot of questions A (laughs)
1: lot of questions. That might be something (laughs) for Guardians 3. That might be something for Captain Marvel 2, or even Doctor Strange 2, for them to explore the expansive multiverse.
3: I have a feeling that in the next couple of movies, at least in this this, I know this is opening up the next phase of the Marvel movies. We're I have a feeling we're going to come back and reference that moment probably in future movies probably. as being like, remember whenever they were talking about? Yeah, this is going to be it. one of those movies. So just put a bookmark on it. We're going to come yep. back to that. Um, the I'm going to finish up with the moment that stood out to me the most. Now there was a lot of really cool things going on. There was a lot of really great graphics in the hologram awesomeness uh, thumbs up to that but right. the moment that stood out the most to me was when he was on the jet with happy mm-hmm. when he he was emotional looks like he literally looks like tony stark doing all. yeah with the, the, the
1: hand thing the, and building
3: sh- his suit that right there made me like want to tear up and be like i love you 3000 tom holland right now <laughs>
1: that was a very for me that that was fan glory
3: that was the moment for me in this entire movie
1: well but happy put him he's like oh don't get misty (laughs) but you think about it though i mean he's like uh, happy was like this you you have it you, this is all yeah. on your shoulders what are you going to do your friends are going to die Every, uh, there's a lot of things yeah. that can happen what are you going to do Spider-Man? yeah
3: he's like i know you don't want to do anything and that you're scared but they've all turned to look wow. to you and now it's time to decide and then that kind of made him pony up and you know, suck it up. And and it was in that moment we on. saw
1: him, he's, we saw him getting comfortable with the Edith tech. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want that. Let's amplify that times 10. Let's do this. I don't want, and automatically the light bulb belt. clicked on it and Spider-Man became a scientific. That was,
3: that's the yes, turn point of the character right there.
1: That's when Spider-Man Tom Holland became Spider-Man. Yes. Austin Burke. Yeah. You're up, man.
2: Uh, jumping off that point. I think Happy's had some of the best moments in the MCU. Just his oh, face, when it, when it zoomed in on his face, when Peter was doing that, just in his eyes, you can see the emotion. Love. And one of my favorite moments in Endgame was when she's talking to him about a cheeseburger and he, he's trying to answer her and he stumbles upon his words and he goes, and he's, he's he yes. looks over to the side and he has like a tear in his eye. Oh my God. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like freaking John Favreau is one of the best. Like, I love John sick. Favreau. Oh my God, he's so good. Um, But that's a great point. I mean, this movie's full of, here's what I love about this film, right? You have such a predictable premise because you know, well, not everybody knew. I had some comments, my YouTube video. And and we didn't know Mysterio was going to be a villain. Everybody knows Mysterio is going to be a villain.
1: (laughs) If you've read a comic book.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) not the destination with that. It's all about the journey. It's about the execution. And I think the way that they went about that in that scene in the bar, I, I thought was just so brilliant. Now, It was a very, okay, we're going to shout out exposition at the audience and literally describe the entire plan, so in a lot of cases that doesn't work because it comes off as bad writing. But with this case, he's not shouting it out to the hero. He's not shouting it out to the audience. He's shouting it out to his team, and they're celebrating what they just did what they just accomplished and then they're hearkening back to all of the all of the other movies in the mcu i've never seen anything like that before right it's interesting uh, an expositional scene that works on this level because it's one of my favorite moments in the movie and it all comes down to the casting of jake gyllenhaal i mean without jake gyllenhaal what would that scene have been he is amazing he's always been one of my favorite actors and when he got cast as mysterio i was like this he's gonna kill it he was perfect And he was perfect. He was 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 incredible in this movie. And just every single time he popped up on screen, I'm like, I want a movie just about Mysterio. Now, when it comes to the end of the movie when he was killed off, and Joe, I know we talked about that. I thought his death was a little bit quick. I did too. yeah. with the movie um because we don't really know and now joe i know this is another thing we talked about thinking back on it the more i think about it the more i do think he's actually dead originally i didn't and i told you joe that i thought he was still alive but now that i think about jake john as an actor is he going to sign on more than one movie because he's a very indie actor he's a very independent right. film lover yeah. and if you've seen the behind the scenes things he doesn't like comic books <laughs>
3: No, well, And also, he's not a super. He doesn't have superpowers. He's just a smoke and he's mirrors dude. He's a normal dude. guy. A yeah. Yeah. He's just a guy who he's, got shot. He's so.
1: basically, yeah, he's, he's basically yeah. creating a mystique about himself that's smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: So, I mean, that's one of my kind of... And I do have a few critiques here. Very minor, by the way, but just because I've praised this movie enough. The first third, I don't think, was as funny as Homecoming was. I thought the pacing was better in that movie when... Whatever happens, happens, and it starts to kick in. Then I started loving the movie. And here's a question I have: that's probably a stupid nitpick, but out of everyone involved with that entire situation, I know it wasn't the actual Nick Fury, but how did no one just run a simple facial scan of 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 Quentin Beck and not realize he worked for Tony Stark? Like, Thank you. or a Google search, or just does this guy exist in our... Because literally, all you had to do was Google his name, and he, well, he works.
1: To, contrad- for Tony Stark. to contradict that. No one had that tech at the time other than Nick Fury, which was not Nick Fury. And so that Nick Fury didn't know, nor had the receipt. And M- M- uh, Maria, is it Maria? His yeah, fris- Maria Hill. She did not have access to that tech as well because That's they true. were scrolls, And yeah, they but- didn't understand or perceive. Now, could have Tom Holland have easily have done it? Probably, but Tom Holland took Nick Fury's word about this is a cataclysmic event. there's a multiverse, and Nick Fury was well, we, Skrull Fury was actually gullible to believe a cataclysmic event, and why weren't the Avengers called? Probably because the real Nick Fury knew it was a fake
2: yeah. and and the Avengers might be off doing something else that we yeah. might we're going to be talking about
1: that worse. here in a minute, but go ahead there, man. you got anything else. Yeah.
2: So what I loved about this as well is that they didn't go the magic route with Mysterio. They used what 2019 would use, and that's the AI technology hearkening everything back to barf, which I thought was one of the best things about the movie. And then talking about MJ, I'm with you, Lindsay. In the last movie, I thought MJ was a bit brash, and she just didn't feel like, not even Mary Jane. Like, I'm okay if they change the character of Mary Jane, but she she wasn't writing. I actually kind of turned on her in this movie. About halfway through, at the beginning, it was kind of the same. But when she started to get that romantic, like, those gestures and their conversations, and especially that last conversation that they had, I'm like, I think I turned yeah. on her.
3: She I started, started warming up a little bit. Yeah. I warmed
2: up to her, and she slowly grew on me. And I think it's a character that, yeah, of course, Peter Parker's not here when Spider-Man shows up and they're on a field trip in the first one. Like, duh, he's Spider-Man. Yeah. So, of course... I think we're living in a day and age when secret identities are going to start going away in superhero well, movies. you know, you
1: think—let's yeah. uh, let's pull it back for a second and talk about Michelle Jones, a.k.a. MJ, or Elizabeth, or whatever you want to call her. Um, she is such a stereotype for today's modern girl that's in school. A very yeah, was- introverted girl who doesn't talk a lot, doesn't say a lot. She's probably coming from a very disrupted home life. And so Mm -hmm. she has figured out her own quirks that help her get through her day. And, you know, if when you peel it back in that, it's a really a intelligent take on today's modern girl as she goes through school. I mean, you, you look at the stats, you look at the reports, and you see a lot of girls today are troubled. They're finding their value and worth in things like Instagram and Twitter and how many likes can I get because I did a pretty pose at the beach. MJ is the exact opposite of that. She's an introvert. She dr- she dresses and her her mannerisms and even the way she portrays herself, totally opposite of what today's society girl would be. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think when you look at that, and I think a lot of us can probably at some point relate to MJ, because we, at some point in our life, when we were in school, we were kind of the introverted one. We didn't want to talk to anybody, and we had relationship issues where we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And I can understand it, but at the same time, I think enough is enough with the quirks. And I think hopefully by the end of Far From Home, we've seen the end of the crazy, weird uh, interjectory Mary Jane. So, uh, well, Mary Jane, I, I mean, MJ, Michelle Jones. Did it, did I'm it so used to saying.
3: Guys, did it bother you guys how quickly he handed over the glasses? Because it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way.
1: Well, no, not really, because... I
3: mean, I know he's the innocent okay. kid that doesn't know better, and he's playing that role, but that was, with his experience...
1: Let me, let me tackle far. that for you. I, I think, I think yeah. when you're looking at the naiveness of Peter Parker and his willing to be a kid and not assume responsibility and easily pass it off... In his mind, he created a scenario where if Tony Stark gave me this, then he assumed responsibility that I will give this to the person that's most likely. Well, the the person that was kind of filling that gap at the moment was Quentin Beck. And Quentin Beck turned out to be nothing more than just a dude that knew smart holographic technology. And so um, was it naive? Is he a teenager? He's not going to make the right decisions. He's not going to make the decision that's going to land home the movie. He's going to fail. And it's going to epically come back and bite him in the butt. And it did. And we saw that all come to fruition. Uh, So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But you got to remember, we're looking at this from the lens of a... We all read comics. We know. We're in the know. We know what to expect. But I will say this. Sitting in the theater with my wife last night, she has never read a Spider-Man comic where Mysterio's in it. And she said, and and I, I heard her to the right of me, and she's like... Yeah, give him the glasses because he's 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 the man. He's going to assume the role, and I'm sitting there like, oh no,
3: okay. wow. back pedal, back pedal. so. <laughs> but she
1: didn't know. Yeah, wow. she didn't know because she didn't know the source. We're all blessed because we get to know the source material. My wife reads Harry Potter, not Marvel comics. Right. So there you go.
2: I think it would have been, uh, maybe benefited if he would have had more than three conversations with him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, in the so yeah, no, why not, why not Doctor Strange? Why not someone that I fought next to, as opposed to this guy? Yeah. Well, but it's integral to the plot too, because if you wouldn't have done that, where's the movie? You know, it's right.
1: Like, yeah.
3: yeah. Well, to to advocate or to devil's advocate that that thought, um, he was picked and approved by Fury. So that yeah. kind of gave Skull life. Fury.
1: True. Skull,
3: Skull Skull Fury. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Skull Skrull Skrull Fury, Fury. Yeah. But at the time. Peter didn't know that. So I, I, that's. Kind he of still like the doesn't know that. Check. No, he still doesn't know that. Uh, so that would be kind of the, the green light of Good Guy, right. I guess, right. the label. The kind of eases all of the confusion there yeah anyways i just had to bring that up because i was just like really right
1: well let's let's go ahead and (laughs) and we got we're right at the top of the hour here and i want to make sure we can talk about two more things that's those nc credits the meat and potatoes as we referred to about 20 minutes ago uh so as we you know the, the first uh animated credits roll and we see uh a really cool scene with peter parker and mj flying through manhattan and did anybody catch where uh where it was that he picked her up at the bridge uh at grand central Terminal, which was the fighting place of the avengers one
3: oh, did anybody pick up a, did you I, notice yeah, I did. did you
1: notice at the front there was construction signs because of all the damage that was done oh no you're welcome really cool. um cool. so it was really cool. And then right at the end of that, you know, he drops her off and he's he's in this, I don't know if it's Times Square or something, but he's at this where there's a big screen on the side of a building. Yeah. Then all of a sudden breaking news comes in and, and we're like, whoa, you know what's getting ready to go on here. And one of the news reporters says, from one of our sources at the Daily Beagle, then all of a sudden here's J.K. Simmons. Well, I'm Peter Parker. Oh my God. I'm Me and so Austin glad. were at the media premiere so for glad. this and our theater erupted. So... Yeah, there's that.
2: My theater went nuts. like, And we, we just had a yeah. conversation before that. Joe and I literally standing in line waiting to get into the movie. Um, you think JK said, nah, I mean, he's perfect, but they're yeah. not going to get him. We're both sitting there and, and right. our minds are just exploding in the theater. And I love how they played him as an Alex Jones type. He's not because newspapers, they're dying business. He's this crazy internet guy. And he's he has his own show. Uh, it's it's yeah. a perfect change to his character, and I loved it. What a wonderful Easter egg that was amazing.
1: And the fact that he could come back as Jay Jonah yeah. Jameson in the future franchise.
2: Oh my god! What if this? What I was? What if you know how they did that series with that girl for a long time? Uh, it was on Marvel.com. It was the girl from the first Iron Man. She was always reporting on news from the Avengers. Mm-hmm. It was like a short web series. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jonah Jameson short web series as an Alex Jones type, just talking about crazy things. The Avengers came in today, like Marvel, get on this man. Yeah. Because you have to keep him in the loop. He is incredible. I
1: think, I think JK Simmons is such a beast when it comes to being the role of J. Jonah Jameson. It's like a marriage of two roles. Perfectly. You know, he was born to play J. Jonah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and, and in that cutscene too, before he picked up MJ, he was like flying through and taking selfies and all that. Did that not remind you of the video game just a little bit? A
1: little bit, yes, yeah. With the, back,
3: yeah. With the backpack and the selfie, yeah, it was. It just
1: reminded like, me of the Spider-Man PlayStation game. Totally You're right. throwback. So that, so and at the end of that cutscene, let's let's talk about that. Spider-Man's on the pole, and they hear this, and all of a sudden, J. Jonah Jameson announces to the world, and he sees footage that Quentin Beck recorded before he died allegedly. We don't have closure on that yet, so we're... I don't know, 100%. He says, oh, and by the way, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. This broadcast went globally worldwide.
2: Everybody knows.
1: Everybody knows that Peter Parker Parker is Spider-Man. So, wow. I think he
3: was the last Avenger to not be publicly known as his regular identity.
1: Well... I, I guess. I, I don't know. I, it's just really, it, it, it throws it out in such a dynamic. You're just like, what in the world just happened? And I I, I kept thinking about this. I, I thought about this last night too. Let's go back to Spider-Man Homecoming when Vulture goes to jail. Scorpion, who he's the guy that's got the Scorpion tattoo, asks Toombs several times, I know you know the name of that guy. What's the name of that guy? Because I want to go get him. What's the name of that guy? And Toombs is like, yeah, I don't know. He's just a kid.
3: Yeah, he's just a kid. I don't know.
1: So now this news flash comes out, I <sighs> think there's going to be some fuel for Scorpion to come out.
3: Poor, and, poor Peter. He's got a lot yeah. of stuff yeah. coming his way. So
1: they're setting it up for, for, for three. Now, uh, so with that, Austin, are, do you have anything else you want to add for the first Ensign Credit?
2: Just, this is new territory. We've never been this route with Spider-Man before, and I like mm-hmm. I like where they're going through. I think you're right, Joe. I think the next movie could have Scorpion. I think the next movie will have Scorpion, no doubt, just because of that end credit scene. I also think this would be an interesting way to bring Craven in because we know Craven. that Craven's ultimate goal is to take down, to hunt down Spider Man. And now that he knows, along with the, re- with the rest of the world, who Spider Man is, this would be a great opportunity to have a Scorpion, Craven, you know, the first villain, the second villain duo in the next movie. I, I would love to see that. But what a great thing to set up! Yeah. Awesome scene.
1: Uh, or, I mean, there's so many possibilities, and there's rumors, if you're floating around the rumorers, that the Avengers building was purchased by Osborne Corporation. Yeah. So we don't yeah. know that, per se. This is all hypothetical. Some rumors saying that the Avengers building was purchased by uh, Fantastic Four Baxter building. So we don't know, but there's a lot of possibility for Green Goblin, for Hobgoblin, for uh, Otto Octavius, uh, Electro. Electro's already in Homecoming. He's already there. And scorpion and vulture, but the thing about it is, Mysterial is not part of the Sinister Six now, so they're gonna to have to find a substitute if Quentin Beck is dead. So let's talk about the second end scene spoiler, and I'm gonna spend a couple minutes on this. So we see Fury and um, Maria Hill in the car, and all of a sudden, you know, and Fury's playing with his eye patch. How many Which he times? Never does. He right? Ever. Never. So how many times have you seen Fury? Uh, play with his eye patch. That never happens in any of the films. He's very, very stoic. He's very demanding, and he gives all the orders. He's never fiddling with an eye patch. Uh, so all of a sudden, Maria Hill changes into a scroll. All right, and then he looks over, and he changes into the scroll, and we learn it is is Teos from Captain Marvel.
3: Yeah, and, I was like,
1: right <laughs> now, it, this harkens back to Avengers Endgame. When Tom Holland comes back after the snap in his high school, we have that character in the background as the principal welcoming kids back to high school. Yeah. Fast forward to Spider-Man Far From Home. Talos is now Nick Fury, and he's been Nick Fury the whole time. Now, before I unpack the rest of this story and some of my own research that I've done, Austin, what did you think about... And then we, we see Nick Fury. He's on this ship with a with a green screen version of a beach sipping on a pina colada and he gets up and he walks out and it's it's just a screen in a room and he's on this massive ship somewhere that we have no idea where he's at and there's scrolls walking around and working in the background and we see these vessels, these massive ships that I guess are, scr- are scroll ships uh, and there's, this is it's a massive floating fortress in a galaxy we don't even know about and he's like, where's my shoes? I need my shoes. And then it cuts. So, having known Austin, what are your first impressions on that?
2: Well, I mean, Ben Mendelssohn, as, as Talos, the. He's one of the best in business, so we knew he'd come back eventually, and as soon as that thing popped up from Endgame, I'm like, yeah, he'll definitely be back. When will he be back? I mean, nobody expected him to be Nick Fury, but now you go back and you look at the context clues and things that may have happened in other movies, and Joe, you'll talk about that. It makes a lot of sense, but I love how they're taking S.H.I.E.L.D. to a galactic level and doing S.W.O.R.D. Mm-hmm. Not confirmed, but my, my theory is that they're going to do SWORD, which is basically S.H.I.E.L.D. in space, because we know the MCU is going galactic, Yes. except for like a Spider-Man or a Black Panther, which they'll, they'll hold Earth for the time being, but I can't mm-hmm. wait to see where the scene goes. I think it could bring in the next Captain Marvel, maybe tell us where the Avengers are right now, the ones out in space. So there's a lot of possibilities. And if you, the-
1: if you guys don't know, S.W.O.R.D., we know S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Because mm-hmm. we, we've seen S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Sentinel World Observation and Response Department.
0: Oh, baby. Sen-
1: Sentinel. Sentinel. It sounds
3: so governmental.
1: Sentinel. Yeah.
3: Think You're about that.
1: Mind. When was the last time you heard the word Sentinel? A
2: little bit of... A little bit of-
3: Fox X
1: Men. That guy right there. Look at that. Yeah. So,
2: but- all
1: right. So I'm not saying that this is word play is all that is, but it's really interesting. So Fury, the real Fury, has been up there all this time, probably. So I'm going to talk about this really quick, and then we're going to kind of start wrapping things up here. But uh, Sean Hogney was talking about Secret Invasion, possibly, The Secret Invasion in the comics had the Scrolls being the enemies but here in the MCU they are the good guys working with shield and sword well mm-hmm. formerly shield yeah. so they're on the good side they're helping the allies and there's a there's a pact treaty now and so what is going on here and why is all this happening is it secret invasion or are they alliance with sword and fury and the heroes and avengers to face a bigger threat
2: i'm i'm with josh in the chat galactus, galactus. Uh, I'm, I'm josh yeah i think it's Galactus. i think
1: over. something's happening and, and, and if it's not galactus I, my second guess would be victor doom dr doom yeah oh yeah but but all right so let's talk about this i was looking back i was going through some researching i was youtubing i was rabbit holing early this morning on this so when did fury become a scroll and when did when did fury go cosmic Okay, so I was looking right. back and I was going back through the films and all of his cameos, of course, you know, you rabbit hole it's four hours later and you're you're like, What? Your brain's melting. <laughs> so there I come to the conclusion, so Civil War, Winter Soldier, all of that was, was Fury. And you can tell it was him because he's a very commanding individual. He gave he gave very intellectual information and data on how to, to be able to do this and how to do you think about Avengers One. He kind of led the show on the tactical warfare and let the Avengers do right. what they're supposed to do. All right, so Maria Hill never really contradicted him or talked down to him. She always followed the commands of Nick Fury. Okay, that, so I'm fast-forwarding. So we got Avengers. We've got Civil War. We've got Winter Soldier. We're still going up. Then there's Age of Ultron alright Nick Fury drops something in Edge of Ultron that kind of is a huge clue and we see this come to fruition in Captain Marvel he's like I never eat my grilled cheese cut diagonally <laughs> alright yeah, and, and th- that's kind of a, a really interesting way that we know it's not Nick Fury alright let's fast forward to Captain Marvel so that is, that is a, the real Nick Fury, 1995. Mm-hmm. he's in the 90s. He's in the 90s. He's not Winnow. Uh, he's still doing his thing. And, you know, Winter Soldier and Civil War has not happened yet. All right, at some point around Age of Ultron, after that movie, I think Fury went cosmic. And he went out to start SWORD. Hmm. Sometime around that way. So ninety five was when the scrolls came to Earth, according to the Marvel Timeline. Right. If you fast forward up to Age of Ultron, the Avengers now are a unit, and Fury's, you know, they're they're doing their own thing, and the Avengers are kicking butt and taking names, and Fury's really not needed on the Earth presence. Insert Talos, yep. so now Talos becomes Fury, while Fury is out there doing something a lot more crazier that we don't even know about. You insert Phase Four, mm-hmm. so you look at the you look at every film after Age of Ultron. And Fury has a more passive demeanor and tone. Yeah. He's more like, he's using verbal and dialogue in terms of like downplaying the situations. And, oh, well, that's not, you know, we'll figure it out. We got this. We'll yeah. do it. And you look at that and you kind of know automatically that's not Fury. Yeah. You know, you and can it, figure it out
2: i love what you it makes sense too because the time that we saw him before age of ultron was when he got shot three times by the winter soldier so maybe he he takes that experience and says you know what maybe i should be up there because my life is being threatened down here so that makes a lot of sense that's the moment he leaves and then when we see him in age of ultron i mean it all maybe this is just speculation but this makes a Ton of sin. Why would they talk about the toast thing in Captain Marvel if it was not relevant in another movie, and it just so happened? How that did the he man, have his
1: toast in Age of Ultron?
2: Uh, he did it exactly how he said he would. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that's just. Yeah. Come on.
1: It's not coincidence. I mean, um, and that's just the way Marvel Studios is. They're so integral on how they set up the, the small details, yeah. and that's what I love about it. So we have hopefully this this has helped you guys understand. And I would encourage you guys to do your own research and follow the dialogue of Fury and Maria. And in, in okay. Spider-Man Far From Home, if you will notice... Hold on. In Spider-Man Far From Home, <laughs> you will know that Maria Hill is actually interjecting Fury's plans yeah. and yeah. inserting her own prerogatives and attitudes. And if that was yeah. the real Fury, that would not be happening.
3: No, I, I picked up on that, definitely. And he's um, like,
1: said, when Captain Marvel, he said, do not invoke her name.
3: Do not invoke her name. Uh, speaking of Captain Marvel, if you remember uh, the cut scene, the credit, the end credit scene in that movie is whenever he pushes the pager button.
2: Mm-hmm. Was that
3: yeah. a scroll or was that real fury? And did the scroll blip or did fury blip?
2: Oh, as in? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. After. Yeah. After
3: because he pushes the pager button to page Captain Marvel to come back to Earth And then they both blip. Both he and Maria both go away. Mm -hmm. And then they bring him back later. So is that imposter or legit? Did he come back to Earth? That's a really good question. Did he come back to Earth to page her? Like was it in a safety deposit box in a bank somewhere?
2: (laughs) Here's the thing. He could have he could have came back to Earth multiple times. Like I I, I want to think it was him at Tony Stark's funeral, like he came because that would just be like, that would make sense. He would want to be there, right? Right. But here's another rumor that I heard online. I don't know because we've never really learned anything about Maria Hill's character. She's kind of just been there and talked a little bit. She's kind of like a nice little puppy. I've been reading that she may have always been a scroll, like, there has never been a Maria Hill. Or would, she, there was one, would but she died that. a long time. Because her character development has just not been there. So that would be crazy if that, that would, was true. That would make sense.
1: And they yeah. spend a lot of time in Far From Home on developing that character.
2: They And they do. And this yeah. is the first time we've seen it. And she's a scroll, So it's like... Oh,
1: yeah. So there's a lot of possibilities. So here's what I want to ask you guys. So if you are diving down this rabbit hole with us on PopEx, I want to know what you guys think. Leave your comments and questions in below, whether you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or here on Get Vocal. I mean, we would love to hear what your thoughts are and just kind of collaborate everybody's ideas because... There's obviously a lot of stuff that you can dive into here when you talk about the scrolls. Is it a secret invasion? Is Marvel setting up secret invasion? Or are they setting up their own form of a secret invasion, which is the invasion of Galactus? Mm -hmm. Good so solutions. we don't know we'll just have to wait and see. And we yeah. may get some answers in the coming weeks at San Diego Comic-Con as Marvel brings out Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con with some guests, so we don't even know yet.
3: Let's bring out that lineup, people. Bring
1: it out. So you know what? you one thing you can you can rest assured on, You can tune in right here on PopExcast, and we'll be bringing you all that coverage and all that new geeky goodness as it's coming out. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And there's a lot of comments over here on the side about, uh, you know, Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer. Um, I don't think we're going to see any of those properties in the MCU for about four or five years. Because I think there's going to be some time. Everybody's wanting it now, but it's not going to happen now. It's going to happen when Marvel fleshes out the characters. We get Guardians yes. 3. We get Adam Warlock. Hopefully Keanu Reeves is Adam Warlock. Totally. But we get, uh, you know. That be
3: pretty rocking.
1: Right. And so, you know, there's some things that has to happen before the mutants and for Silver Surfer to come on the scene. You just right. can't start it out with like, oh, there's Silver Surfer. That's yeah. not the way Marvel does it. Then you will be under the umbrella of DC Comics, yeah, I was and you would say, just that's,
3: throw a, DC that's right. Let's <laughs> just, <laughs> just throw it out there and see what Seriously. sticks.
1: So oh, it's going to happen. We can't
3: happen. just give those glasses to anybody.
1: I would say <laughs> by 2024, we may probably be getting some pretty heavy hitters in terms of X-Men, Fantastic Four, Surfer, Galactus, and all that stuff. So you just gotta you gotta hang in there. All right. So all of that said, guys, my gosh, we went 20 minutes over on Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's crazy. Wow. I, know. Wow. I know. That's insane. That's Well, you know, it's been a fantastic show, and seriously, we can sit here and talk for another 45 minutes, but we don't want to (laughs) bore you guys. (laughs) But we are definitely going to be doing some pretty cool stuff coming up, especially after San Diego Comic-Con, so stay with us. Some big news is coming out this week, so hopefully we can uh, report that to you guys as well. All righty, so, Austin, you want to take us home, my friend?
2: All right, man. Huge movie, far from home, a lot more than we expected. So <laughs> I'm Austin Burke at the and Air. You guys can go check out Joe and I's review when we first saw the movie, non-spoiler, but get our immediate hyped-up reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, we are part of an amazing network called the going to Geek Network for all things even more geeky. Head over to gonnageek.com and check out some amazing podcasts on our home network, and you guys can connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, the Twitch, and Pinterest. All at Pop X cast You guys can send comments and suggestions via email at PopXCast at gmail.com. And for future and past shows, visit our official website, www.PopXCast.com. Mm-hmm. That's
3: right. And I am Lindsay Badger, and you can find me at l r Badger on all the social places on the interwebs.
1: And Mike, uh, are you are you still alive, Mike? Are you are you are you still over there, Somebody buddy? Somebody
3: check a pulse over there. Can,
1: can we Bye. can we get a reading on Mike Ippolito? Is he still alive? Hey, Mike. Hey. Hi. Mikey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? So, can, can, how can people find you on Twitter? Are you, do you do you tweet? What what's your deal anymore? Where, you, where are you? Are you on MySpace still?
0: Probably, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you get? <laughs> Probably I think, trying to figure it out.
1: I think Mike got <laughs> blipped. I think he got blipped towards the end there. <laughs> <Got
0: blipped. laughs> I think we didn't give our ratings. That's what I think. Oh, oh that's why we have
3: Mike.
1: That's why we have Please. you, Mike. Make. All right, so let's do this. All right, I let's, think Mike's a scroll. So I, I'm going to stick with my original rating that I gave in the theater. I'm going to go with an 8.4. Was that what I gave, Austin?
2: 8.4. Okay. Yes, sir. On the dot.
1: All right. Uh, go I'll ahead. go next. Yep. I'm going
2: to go
3: 8.5. Just, just barely
2: more.
1: There's barely one. All right, uh, Lindsey Badger.
3: I'm going to go for a solid nine.
1: Nine. Nine. And Mikey.
0: I'm going to go with a 9.3. 9.3.
1: So we got about an average of about an 8.9 or 9.0 across the board on Team Pop. That's phenomenal. So uh, I want to thank you guys so much for listening and for downloading and just being PopXers yourselves and uh, helping us create some amazing shows. And I do want to give a quick shout out right quick to our friends over at Wirecast and Telestream, especially to Mr. Stephen Haywood. We love you, dude. And right. we just thank you so much for providing some amazing software that makes PopEx run like a well-oiled machine. You are a yes, man sir. among men, sir. And we thank you so much. And we want to thank our friends over at Telestream and Wirecast for creating a product that is astounding. It's and super you. duper. And I am Joseph Burke at Joseph Burke Arts, J-O-S-E-P-H-B-U-R-K-E-A-R-T-S, all over the interwebs. And, of course, again, hats off to the amazing Team Pop X and uh, Mr. Mike Ippolito. It's good to have you back, buddy, and we've missed you. Ah, oh, I love you. <laughs> Does that mean Mike wants to go solo?
2: <laughs> he wants to go solo. <laughs> anyway,
1: and so join us uh, for next time in a couple of weeks. We'll be back on episode 99 as we are eagerly counting down episode 100 here on Popex Cast. It's going to be phenomenal. Oh. I mean, just look at that beautiful, well, not that, but uh, this right here. <laughs> Look at that. So we're gonna be counting it's it so down. Pretty. It's so wow. gorgeous. It's gonna be good. So episode one hundred is coming soon. August the fourth is the date for that. We'll be back with episode ninety nine as we talk about Stranger Things season three. Yeah.
3: Ooh It's good. so good. And it's so
1: good. We'll be talking about Lion King as well. So join us back for episode 99 in two weeks. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading and just being amazing, amazing listeners. From all of us here at Cast, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. From everyone at Pop X Cast, thanks for listening. Please make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash PopXCast and click the follow button to get our live stream notifications. Drop us an email, popxcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check out this and more great content on the Ghana Geek Network at GhanaGeek.com. Get your geek on!